Section 20 of Astounding Stories, 14 February 1931, by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Phalanxes of Atlans, by F. V. W. Mason. Chapter 4, Part B. The law of Atlans, pronounced the Emperor with a frown, states that a stranger must prove his worth to the state, else he must be put to death. Thank thou thy gods that thou hast not fallen into the hands of the lost tribes, for assuredly thou would perish miserably, as must thy comrade. What is the law of Jarmuth? inquired Nelson, his mind furiously at work. Their law states that the stranger within their gates must perish on the altar of Beelzebub, Jarmuth's blood-hungry demon-god. A momentary expression of sadness crept into the emperor's blue eyes, and he beat a square, powerful hand on the arm of his throne. Aye, blood-hungry, lack-a-day. But yesterday six of our fairest maidens crossed the boiling river, never to return. Nelson was about to speak, when from outside came the blast of a trumpet. The assembled Atlanteans started, paused, and remained silent, listening intently. Hero Giles looked up, a light kindling in his deep-set eyes. Yon was an Israelite trumpet. As the words left his lips there came a hurried rapping at the portal, whereupon the guards sprang forward. "'Bid them enter.' Altorius seemed strangely tense and uneasy. Quietly the door rolled back as before, revealing an Atlantean, whose eyes rolled with alarm. He hurried forward and flung himself on the floor at the Emperor's sandaled feet. "'Hearken, O serene splendor. Waiting without is an embassy from His Majesty of Jarmuth. They bear words for thine imperial highness. Now, by Saturn, here's insolence, at an hour such as this. With a furious swirl of his scarlet cloak, Altorius leaped to his feet, hand on the ivory handle of his sword, which to Nelson's amusement was not of bronze, but of good blue-gray steel. I'll bet it's old Sir Henry's original pet-sticker, he thought. Bring on these dogs of Israel, growled Altorius. They shall die. "'Gently, gently, O splendor,' murmured Hero John. "'Our full force is not yet camped on the plains of Poseidon. "'Nay, have the rogues flayed alive,' was the advice of the hot-headed elder brother. "'He, like the emperor, was scowling and livid with fury. "'Presently there appeared four men, stalwart warriors as totally different in aspect from the Atlanteans as humans might be. "'The two races were alike only in splendid physical proportions.' and human figures. They, the Jarmuthians, were black-haired and dark-skinned, whereas the Atlanteans, with the exception of Sir Henry's progeny, were red-headed. Truculently, the half-naked ambassadors strode over the polished floor which reflected their rude images. Their hairy chests, arms, and legs afforded a sharp contrast to the neat Atlantean nobles, who drew back with expressions of disgust. "'Good God!' gasped Nelson in lively surprise. "'A bunch of the boys from Seventh Avenue.' It was true. Each Jarmuthian clearly betrayed his Hebraic origin in huge fleshy nose and pendulous lower lip, so characteristic of the Semitic race. They were fierce, shaggy fellows, naked from the waist up save for a kind of jointed body armor, reminiscent of a Roman legionnaire's. Their long, abundant blue-black hair was either plaited or flowed uncut over splendidly muscled shoulders. Their beards, on the other hand, were short and frizzed into tight curls, in the Assyrian manner. 
On each man's head was set a highly polished pointed cask of copper, surmounted in each instance by the six-pointed star of Solomon. Otherwise the brutal-looking emissaries wore nothing but dirty, food-spotted kilts and rough hide sandals secured by thongs. With all the insolence and self-assurance of conquerors in the presence of slaves, the four jet-eyed ambassadors swaggered up to the diamond throne. Then the foremost briefly inclined his head towards Altorius in a grudging salute, and began to speak in deep, resonant tones. From that point Nelson could understand nothing of the conversation, as it was carried on in the guttural and unintelligible language of that lost realm. But from time to time Hero John found opportunity to translate an occasional phrase. Darker and darker grew the brows of the gorgeously attired Emperor and his eagle-visaged Captain-General, as they listened to the pompous oratory of the foremost Jermuthian, and in dark fury more than one Atlantean noble half drew his sword when the speaker fell silent at last. "'He said,' the younger Atlantean whispered, "'that Jeroboam is no longer satisfied with six maidens. Beelzebub demands a further offering of six more damsels to be delivered before the third division of time on the morrow. By Saturn, the insolence of these besotted swine passes all tolerance.' From the Atlantean Emperor's outraged negative gestures, Nelson surmised that Altorius was making an emphatic refusal, and even adding some vicious threat. The foremost Jarmuthian slapped huge dirty hands on armored hips, and fell to laughing with an insolence that would have provoked a rabbit. Forgetting dignity and self-control, Altorius, in a single tigerish leap, sprang from his throne and knocked the mocker senseless with a powerful blow to the jaw. Then, spurning the fallen Jarmuthian with a sandaled foot, the Atlantean fixed blazing eyes upon the three other ambassadors, who, nothing daunted, closed up, muttering savagely in their frizzed black beards, while their hands sought the spot where swords would normally have hung. "'Nice right to the jaw,' commented Nelson with a grin. "'He's still English enough to use his fists.' He turned to Hero John, who stood with an expression of horror on his comely features. "'What caused the row?' Verily, our plight is grave indeed. That braggart dog threatened to march on Heliopolis in the first division of mourning, and Hero John's lips compressed into a hopeless, taut expression. Our reinforcing phalanxes can never arrive in time to defend Sairum at that hour. Should the defense fail, as it must, since they outnumber us three to one for the nonce, it would cost us many thousands of men to stay the blood-hungry hordes of Jeroboam, once freed on the great plain. Like a star-shell bursting on a cloudy night came the inception of an idea. "'Here,' cried Nelson, "'I've an idea. Maybe I can fix a stall until the rest of your boys do a general Phil Sheridan and get here.' Hero John's blue eyes widened uncomprehendingly. "'What?' he demanded, "'What dost thou propose?' Nelson's hand crept to his head, for the unaccustomed weight and heat of the helmet made it itch. "'You say these bright boys from over the border want to chow six more girls? Am I right?' "'Yea, O oh friend Nelson, they demand the victims to-morrow morn, else they advance.' "'All right.' Nelson was thinking fast now. A dreadful vision of Richard Alden stretched for sacrifice on the brass altar of Beelzebub ever floating before his aching eyes. 
Tell those Semites that they can have those six girls, if they can take them away from me. A puzzled frown creased the younger hero's brow, and he tugged thoughtfully at his scant yellow beard. Prithee, pardon me, but I do not comprehend. All right, get this now. Tell the Jarmuthians that they can send six of their biggest and best scrappers, one for each girl. If they can take any one of those girls away from me, they can take them all, taking me as well, and we'll get the works in Jezreel together. But on the other hand, if I kill their six champions, then Alden is returned unharmed, the six girls come home, and the six other girls come back too, and there'll be no more hostages. I don't think they'll agree to, or even consider surrendering your princess Altera. I'm sorry I can't accomplish that, too. But if I can stop this annual tribute, it won't be so bad, will it?" Rounder and rounder grew the Atlantean's eyes, and he gaped like a schoolboy in a sideshow. "'What sayest thou? Thou alone to overcome six of their best warriors? Nay, but this is folly. Moonshine! What knowest thou of their weapons?' nothing admitted nelson but i do know brother winchester here he patted the smooth stock he's mighty persuasive properly handled but they are armored they have the fungus bombs the light retortii and the javelin righto agreed nelson a trifle carelessly but you don't know what this old boy can do when he's put to it well by saturn an uncertain ring crept into the atlantean prince's voice a moment while I address his splendor. I'm a fool, a damn fool, thought Nelson. Still, it's Alden's only chance. Unless the Jarmuthians have got some trick I'm not on to, I ought to stand a fighting chance. Meanwhile, Emperor and Captain General drew to one side, listening to Hero John's impassioned oratory. That the idea met with disapproval, Nelson quietly recognized from the incredulous, even contemptuous, glances Altorius shot at him. Leaving the four sneering Jarmuthians under guard of the nobles, the Emperor came striding impatiently over the inlaid floor. "'What madness is this?' he demanded harshly. "'Dost thou realize what would hang upon thy skill? If thou shouldst fail, our annual hostage for the divine Altara would be twelve instead of six of our maidens.' Further, the dog-conceived Jeroboam would wax unbearably overweening and insolent. Nay, there is too much at hazard. Though outnumbered, we will give battle in the morning." "'Yes?' demanded Nelson, in turn, impatient. "'A fine chance you'd stand. Why, less than half your army is here at Sairum, and Hero John tells me that the enemy have massed their entire forces on the salient of Poseidon. Isn't that so?' Altorius's handsome brow darkened. Aye, he admitted, but our reinforcing corps will come up before the third hour of the third division. Here Hero Giles broke in, and speaking with the quick impassioned tones of one whose reactions are violent, pled for confidence in the American. Nay, fair cousin, he replied, casting a sidewise look at the Jarmuthians standing in muttered colloquy with their leader who had now gotten to his feet and was angrily dabbing the blood from his chin with the hem of his yellow, kilt-like garment. I saw with mine own eyes what miracles friend Nelson doth perform with his curious noise-making retortii. If Jeroboam falls upon us ere our regiments are marshalled, then verily are we doomed. 
We have no choice but to play for time. Hearken to the counsel of Hero John. Methinks this stranger from the ice world is no braggart. He will fight well. If he loses, he dies horribly. That he knows. The thought will strengthen his arms, and if he wins— Then broke in Nelson firmly. If I win, I must have the word of your majesty that Alden and I are to be afforded all help and free passage to that place where your soldiers captured my friend. Is that understood? Altorius's blue eyes shifted, and there was a slight hesitation in his manner. Then coming to a decision, he whirled and extended his hand. Good. Tis agreed, he said. On my head be it. Have patience while Hero Giles confers with these outlandish dogs. It was with intense interest that the anxious aviator watched the ensuing conference. He could see the four Jarmuthians listening, dark eyes restlessly flitting back and forth, and their mouths twisted into contemptuous half-snarls. Then, as Nelson's offer was made clear, a look of cunning seemed to creep into the eyes of the leader. He asked for clarification of several points. Then, being informed of the details, his thick lips parted in an evil, crafty grin. Taken aback at the suspiciously ready acquiescence of the enemy, Hero Giles turned about. "'They agree,' he translated, "'that should friend Nelson win, they will return to their own land, they will forfeit the annual tribute forever, and return the other stranger unharmed. They speak fair, but I fear—he bit his lips in perplexity—these dogs, who talk with the forked tongues of serpents, plan some snare, some cunning trickery. Repeat the terms. Altorius seemed gripped with apprehension, too. Let all be clearly understood. At the third division of morning will the wanderer fight six warriors, no more and no less. This was agreed and reaffirmed. Then, with an insolent, triumphant laugh, the Jarmuthian delegation whirled about and stalked from the room, their dark, grieved legs flashing in military unison over the polished floor. "'Tis done,' quoth Hero Giles gloomily. The encounter will take place on the plain of Gilboa, at the third hour of the third division. And may Saturn help us if thy might fails, friend Nelson, for then surely will the hordes of Jarmuth despoil us, and there will come a desolation and a darkness upon the empire of Atlans. End of chapter 4 Part B